Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lightford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. Going to have some fun on the show today because we had a great day in uh, basketball as the Nets got the win over the Celtics. The Suns kicked the crap out of the Lakers, forcing LeBron James to walk to the locker room. With five minutes left in the game still. (laughs) Then you had Dame Lillard. And we'll get to, in in case you're waking up this morning, let's just say you're waking up and, you know, you're up at five in the morning. So clearly you have either stayed out a little later or you went to bed early and just didn't decide to watch the playoff games. But in case you woke up and you're wondering why everyone is going crazy for Dame Lillard, well, we'll get you caught up uh, with all of that. But it was a very entertaining uh, day in basketball with baseball. You had the Giants lose big 8-1 to to the Los Angeles La- Angels, while you had the A's get the win over the Mariners, pushing Bob Melvin to become the A's winningest manager in A's history. So shout out to Bob Melvin uh, for all of that. But I do want to put a <laughs> put some notice on this game from Dave Lillard because this is the most amazing thing that we ever witnessed. It is when Dave Lillard is in the bubble, you know, Whenever he's in the playoffs and Steph's not involved, it always turns into Dame versus Steph. Dame versus Steph. Steph versus Dame. Then it becomes an all-out brawl. Of course, Max Kellerman last night going on Twitter saying, this is why I'd rather have Dame Lillard rather than Steph Curry when the chips are all in line or whatever the saying was or whatever he used. But <laughs> it was just, it's just, anytime something like this happens, 
The Steph Curry haters always come out, even though they don't really have an argument as of right now. But I do just want to recap a little bit what happened and why everyone's going uh, crazy for Dame Lillard. So, he tied his career high with 55 points in the postseason. So, he's never had a 55-point game before. He tied his career high on that, and it took him to double OT to do it. Uh, He made a playoff record. 12 made threes in this game, and again, you had double overtime, so you had some extra time there, and it was the first 55-point, 10-assist game in postseason history. Now, the worst part is, all those statistics are great, all those accolades are great, but in the end, they lost 147-140 to because Dave in OT and double OT, here's what his numbers were. He had 17 points on 6 of 8 shooting. All other trailblazers in OT and double OT, 2 points on 1 of 19 shooting. 2 points on 1 of 19 in OT and double OT for anyone on the Blazers whose name was not Dame Lillard. But the reason that we were going so crazy for it was because of the way it was handled. Now... The start of the game, the Nuggets got off to a blazing start. It looked like uh, a blazing start. Using that for the Blazers? My God, Steven, it's 5 a.m. Get your act together. Uh, But the Nuggets were up big early, and then the Blazers started to make it a game uh, toward halftime, and then they were going back and forth, back and forth in the second half. And then, of course, what do you know? (laughs) With the clock winding down, of course, there's less than 24 seconds left, so the shot clock is off. You got Dave Lillard. He's going one-on-one with, I, mean, I can't even remember who it was. Was it Monte Morris who was defending him in the fourth quarter? I, I can't remember. They were putting everybody on him, and they just couldn't stop him. But he was going one-on-one, and of course, Dame hits the step back. Dame in front of quarter. Crossover, three-pointer for the tie. Got it! With three seconds left, Denver can't stop the clock. Inbound to Morris at center court. The three for the win is no good. We are going to overtime. So Porter was the guy guarding him one-on-one. That is Michael Porter Jr., of course. And he actually had a good game. He had 26 points with uh, 12 rebounds and three assists uh, on his own. But Dave sends it to overtime. And before this, this is what's going to get forgotten about because the game went to double OT. But there was an awful call before that where Dame went up for the three-pointer and somehow the ref called it a foul on the three-point play even though he had made the shot, but there was no foul. (laughs) He didn't even touch him when he went up. It was Austin Rivers who was on Dame in the first place, and he, he, he... Touches him at first, and then Dame goes up for the shot. There's clearly no foul when he's in his shooting motion, and somehow they called that play, but it didn't count. And then Dame comes back and then makes another three again to tie it, to force it into overtime. And as mentioned, the team didn't really do much of anything uh, in overtime, but it was Dame who was scoring all the points, and then What do you know? With the clock winding down in overtime, Dave Lillard gets one-on-one again. Dame takes it across the timeline, defended by Shaq Harrison. Crosses over, spins around, steps back, fades for three. Got it! Ties it! 
50 for Damian Lillard with 6.4 left of the overtime. It's like, I don't know how he made that one. Now, the first one, was it just it was just one-on-one, you know, hit a step back, boom, makes the shot. We've seen Dame do that sort of stuff before. But, man, when he hit that one to send it into double overtime, it was like a turnaround, fadeaway, three-pointer, one that you don't think that anyone is going to make. They actually played relatively decent defense on him. But in the end, he made the shot, tied it. Then they go to double OT, and then the uh, the Blazers push it wide open. Then it becomes 147 to 140. Uh, Dame missed a three that could have been a, a huge make toward the end of the game. But there was, a, there was a video. I highly recommend you check it out. But there was a video of Austin Rivers, and it showed him... Like, praying to the heavens when Dave missed the three-pointer. It's like, oh my god, thank god. <laughs> thank god he didn't do that again. Because there's 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 nobody as ice cold as him. Or as, as, well, not ice cold, but you know what I'm saying. There's nobody like Dame in crunch time in that he just becomes, you know, Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin. He's just ice cold out there. Everything that he puts up, it feels like it's gonna go in. But here's the issue. Again, they lost. And the first thing that I thought about when I got in here today, and I was just thinking, like, what kind of song equates to Dame Lillard and, and what he's going through right now? Let me just read these again. Dame in overtime and double overtime. 17 points on six of eight shooting. All other Blazers in that time, two points on one of 19 shooting. I need somebody. Not just this is what Dame is singing this morning. I don't know if Dame's a big Beatles fan. Probably not, if I had to guess. As a matter of fact, I'd guess that he's sleeping at this current moment. Or he's listening to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game with me, Stephen Leifert. I don't know which one he's doing. But he is screaming, help! Help me! Somebody! I don't know, man. Every time I see this, every time I see Dame go off, But then the team loses. It's like we praise Dame so much, but in the end, they lost. That's what happened. They lost. And that's where I think actually, I I wouldn't be surprised if when we make these Steph and Dame comparisons and when people go all out on that, I think Dame is tired of all that stuff. I think he's tired of that discussion. I think he hates it. Why? Because Steph has the championships. He has the rings. He has done it. And listen to Dame Lillard after this game, because let me read these off again. A career-high 55 points in a playoff game. He's never had that many points in a playoff game before. He's had a record 12 made threes in the playoffs in that game, and it was the first 55-point tennis game in postseason history. And Dame Lillard, after the game, well, listen to how he's talking. But after what you gave, just personally... Right. It don't matter. We lost the game. Yeah. I mean, at this point, all that matters is we can't lose another game in this series. So we go out there and we play to win the game. We came up short. So we're going back home. It's a, a must win or else our season's over. Then we got to come back here and, and win on that floor again. So, I mean, that's what it is. And he just doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the records. You know, I, I really don't believe so. The one thing that he'll remember whenever we're, you know, 20 years down the line and, 
everyone's retired and, you know, Portland radio stations are asking uh, to bring on Dame Lillard to talk about the postseason or, or, or something. Then they'll ask him, hey, what was it like to have that one game where, you know, you made 12 made threes, a playoff record. You were the first to have 15, 55 points and 10 assists. My guess would my guess would be his response is, well, we lost. So none of that really matters. And and I think if Tame were to be asked that question, it's like, well, who would you take, you or Steph Curry? Which would be dumb to ask Dame in the first place. But if someone were to ask him that, he'd probably say, look, man, Steph has the rings. Steph has the rings. That's it. <laughs> From the 925, Dame is more clutch than Steph, though. That's about it. From the 707, Mr. Cool, ice in his veins. Look, and when we're talking about guys in crunch time, though, like, I, I think we just even take Steph Curry out of the conversation. You got to put Dame Lillard as one of the best ever, ever to hit a big shot when the game is on the line. He, he did everything that he could to help this Blazers team, but nobody could do anything in OT. Nobody. I mean, you look at the numbers. C.J. McCollum, 0 for 3, nothing. Norman Powell, who you gave up Gary Trent Jr. for, traded in the uh, traded to the Raptors. Then you bring in Norman Powell. He had no points in double OT. Literally, five points scored in, in, in second overtime. And Dave was the only one who hit the five. In first OT, Dame with 12 points. McCollum, zero. Powell, zero. Covington, zero. Carmelo, zero. Enos Cantor, two. That's it. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I expect that Dame is just tired of everything that's going on in Portland. And, you know, Dame, to me, has always been kind of like the the Giannis type, right? Where they want to bring an organization back to where they want it to be which is you know possibly winning their own conference and then making it to the NBA finals and they want to stick with their team long term they don't want to go anywhere else they don't want to join any superstars uh, they don't want to be like Kevin Durant joining the Warriors back in the day <laughs> back in the day when that happened wasn't that long ago but i'm just saying <laughs> there there's got to be a point for Dame, where it's just like, all right, what else am I supposed to do? You made this big move at the trade deadline. You gave me Norman Powell. He's been okay, but ultimately, it isn't enough. When is Dame going to tell the Blazers, look, this is enough. I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I wonder if that's ever going to happen. Because this game, where you put up 55 and then you lose in double overtime because none of your other teammates could score any buckets at all while the Nuggets continue to answer, man, it, it's got to be close for Dame. It really does. All right. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, I do want to get into the Giants' loss for the Angels as they fall 8-1. to one. And there's one thing that stood out in that game that I think set the tone for uh, that set the tone early for the rest of the game and it's something we actually talked about yesterday uh, as well so we'll get into that in a move that was made under the radar 
Well, not necessarily under the radar, but it was it was a move that was made, and I don't know if it got many headlines. So we'll get into all that next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, ninety five seven. The game. Now back to the pregame show on ninety five seven. The game. Here's Stephen Langford. I like to let this one ride. Uh, shout out to Lil Dicky, new season of Dave coming out soon. I recommend if you haven't checked it out, check out Dave on FX. <laughs> I'm not even getting paid for that. Uh, so, I do want to get into this Giants loss with the Angels as they fall 8-1. to one, But there was a move made in the day earlier, and I do want to just touch on it. Real quick before we actually get into what happened in that game yesterday because there's some more scary injuries that happened with a mustacheless Mike Yastrzemski. But Joey Bart, he's been a topic of conversation because the backup catcher, Kurt Casale, went on the 10-day IL with the left wrist strain. Obviously, Casale uh, getting hurt after getting hit in the wrist. It was just real tough. But then uh, they sent Nick Tropiano to AAA. But they added to the roster right-hander Dominic Leone, who we saw yesterday, and catcher Chadwick Trump. And I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, why don't you bring up Joey Bart? What, what's, what, what is the holdup? You know, right now in AAA... Bart is hitting 378, has damn near an 1100 OPS. It's at 1.095 right now, which is obviously the on base percentage plus the slugging percentage. And anytime it's above a one, that's really good. And he, but he only has 45 at bats. So he's been very limited in AAA. And a lot of people are wondering, well, why don't you call him up? This is the perfect time. This team is hurt. There's, and, and all that stuff. Here's where I'm at. Last year when you brought up Joey Bart, you did it out of desperation. Buster Posey opted out of the season. There really weren't many answers that you had. You had Chadwick Trump. (laughs) You had Trump, who was an okay player, but more importantly, he is a Chelsea fan. And if you're a Chelsea fan, then I'm a big fan of you. Uh, You know, Josh Hart from the Pelicans, he's on that list. Larry Nance Jr., he's on that list. So is Chadwick Trump. Shout out to all the Chelsea people out there. The Champions League on Saturday almost had a heart attack in the seven minutes of extra time, but I don't even want to talk about that right now. But Joey Bart was brought up out of desperation last season because you needed bodies. Now, this time, you may be thinking, well, look at what's happening with the injured list. Damn near every player's on the injured list right now. It's about time they, 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 they need somebody out of desperation. But here's the thing. You still have Posey. You still have Buster Posey, who, according to Dave Fleming on with the morning roast yesterday, is his MVP for the Giants so far this year. And he's remained consistent. You still have Buster Posey there. And he is your best hitter on the team right now. And he is the best catcher. So why would you want to bring up Joey Bart so quick when he's not even going to be playing that much? 
You know, I don't expect uh, Chadwick Trump to get as much work as Kurt Casale was getting because Kurt Casale would come in for certain pitchers and Buster Posey, his workload is going to have to uh, is going to have to increase when now that Kurt Casale's on the IL and they're bringing someone else in. But if you brought in Joey Bart with just the forty five bat bats at AAA and the way that he's playing right now. You know, wouldn't you want that guy, this young dude who you're hoping to develop? You know, I, I don't know what Posey's future is like after this season, right? Right? He's, I mean, he's doing a hell of a lot right now. But wouldn't you want Joey Bart to be playing every day at this point in his career when he has the time? Wouldn't you want that guy? to be getting the experience. I know it's not in the big leagues, but still, he didn't have much minor league experience when he got called up last year. Barely any. And this year, he still hasn't had that much. He's only had 45 at-bats. But I think that the development of Bart in AAA, playing him every single day, as opposed to bringing him up to Major League Baseball, where you're going to be the number 2 catcher behind Buster Posey, and you're not going to get as much work because of the uncertainty. I, I don't know. Personally, I would rather have Joey Bart just in AAA right now and, and, and see if he can remain consistent. See if he can keep his batting average. Uh, I'm not going to say at 378. I'm not going to say he needs to be a 370 hitter. No, not at all. But I am saying maybe, you know, keep that average hovering around 300 in the 290s. Remain to have uh, keep having power and, and have that OPS above one because right now it's at 1.095. And if you have an OPS above one, you're doing something right. I will take 950. I will take 950, but show that he can dominate in AAA and maybe you'll see if you have something there. Now, could he be used as trade bait? Sure. But the reason that they drafted Patrick Bailey in the first place, the catcher, is because. Patrick Bailey was the best player available on the board, and catchers are not very common. It's hard to find a good hitting catcher. And when you have a surplus of those guys, hell, if Joey Bart shows that he could be the dude, you got Joey Bart playing in the major leagues, and you also got Patrick Bailey possibly as a trade piece. Or Joey Bart might show that, you know, he just doesn't fit with this team, and you could use him. I mean, you can go either way on that, but I just think that this is the right move because, look, I'd rather have Joey Bart playing every day right now, getting as much experience as possible as opposed to being brought up to the big club and, you know, playing every fourth or fifth day, whatever it would be. So I I, I see where the move is coming from, and uh, Gabe Kapler said, this is a quote um, from before the game yesterday, Joey's development is really important and we're just going to allow that to continue. I think there's one important way to look at this and it's really looking at the upcoming schedule. We have some, we had some off days mixed in and Buster is going to get the lion's share of the work, as you might imagine. So this is a potentially two games started for the call up in this long stretch of games where we have these days off and Buster is lined up to start most of them. I think Trump is a good option for us to take down those starts. Joey is as well. But in this particular case, we made the decision that for right now, in the short term, Joey's best path for development is right where he is. Right where he is. So, look, I I, I, I see where Kapler's coming from, and I see where Farhan's coming from. I just don't think there'd be any rush. 
Um, so last night, look, Anthony Rendon, he had five RBIs. He, he had Alex Wood's number yesterday. And, you know, Alex Wood got beat. I mean, we'd been seeing these great starts from Kevin Gosman. We'd been seeing those great starts from Di Sclafani. And we'd been seeing Alex Wood have those great starts as well. But we also saw that one start that Di Sclafani had where, look, just everything was getting into the outfield. You know, it's not like everything was hit hard against that uh, in that game against the Dodgers a couple of weeks ago where he gave up 10 earned runs. But it was just a game where it seemed like everything was clicking for the Dodgers at the time. And that's what happened with Alex Wood yesterday and the Angels. But there is one thing that I want to bring up. And, and this was an interesting point. But Gabe Kapler, after the game, uh, spoke about Alex Wood's outing and just why he wasn't missing many bats. Even when he's missing with this slider, he's just missing by a little bit. Uh, he's really controlling it below, below the zone and you know um, off the plate away to left-hand hitters. And you just see it you know, just off the plate when he misses. Um, in this particular case, he had some more wild misses, so you knew that his command where wasn't where he wanted it to be. Um, oftentimes, in those situations, you'll see them. Uh, you'll see pitchers go to their their second best secondary weapon, and um, in this case, like Wood has a great changeup and a slider, so he can he can use that. But I don't think yeah, he was uh, particularly sharp with with any of of his pitches tonight. Um, and you know, obviously, that that, that was the results uh, speak for themselves. And I'm a firm believer in that clean games make a difference because when they're playing a clean game, that's when their mindset stays the course, you know, and they have that tunnel vision where it's just like, you know, I'm not even worried about this specific play. But in the top of the third, when you had Andrew Heaney on, on base and you had David Fletcher and Justin Upton there as well, Already in a little hot water, hadn't given up a, a run yet, but then there's a wild pitch by Alex Wood. Now, we talked about this yesterday in that first game against the Angels, where there was a wild pitch, run scores, and I was thinking, you know, the Giants have been playing so well defensively, one of the teams with the least amount of errors in baseball, and I'm thinking, you know, the wild pitch when a guy's on third and someone coming in to score on a wild pitch, I'm like, you know, that hasn't happened that much. It doesn't feel like it's happened that much. And then when you looked it up, the wild pitches that the Giants had at that point yesterday, when we had when we were on the show yesterday, it was at 11. And now it's at 12. And at that point, that's when he came in to score. And then Anthony Red Dode comes in and hits a two-RBI single. And that was the first of his five RBI night. So I think that that wild pitch set the tone and it just showed that Alex Wood was kind of out of whack in that game. And that's just what's that's going to happen. You know, that's going to happen. It's it, it can't expect a good start out of all these guys every single game. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm putting it out into the universe, and you can blame me if this happens if you want, but I could, I'm only thinking at that time, I'm like, man, when's that Gosman start going to come? When is that one start where everything just blows up, right? And the ERA looks completely different. When is that one start going to happen? Because it happened to Di Sclafani, and it happened to Alex Wood. I'm wondering when that's going to happen. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. And oh, one more point I have from this Giants game. 
Uh, Alex Wood, he only went 3.2 innings, and then Matt Whistler came in, and Whistler gave up an earned run of his own. I love Whistler. I mean, I'm sure you're a great dude, but in your 20 games, you're 1-2, and and you have a 6.16 ERA. I'm personally good if I don't see... Matt Whistler on the mound anymore. <laughs> I know they're I know they're lacking bodies, and I know you know they 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 need pitching. They need as much as they can. But the experiment with Whistler didn't work, and you know it's only in baseball where you find these pitchers like these Sclafani and Gosman who have over a four ERA or five ERA in the seasons previous and are averaging that. Then the one guy that you bring in from last season who had a 1.07 ERA with Minnesota in Matt Whistler, now he has a 6 ERA in, in, in all of his innings pitched this year. I'm good if we don't see Whistler anymore. That's all I'm going to say there. 888 that's the text line and the phone number. Draymond Green. He has been an analyst on NBA on TNT, and he had something to say about the Nets yesterday that was making the rounds. I want to play that for you next. We'll get into a little more basketball, and then we'll circle around back to baseball. We got a lot to talk about on the pregame show in this final half hour. Stephen Stephen Langford in with you, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I'd like to let this one ride, too. I tend to let a lot of music ride. Namely because I like the beat, but also to give me a breather. <laughs> uh, I'm too lazy. 888 That is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. We'll get back into baseball because we got a couple of A's texts here. Uh, but did anyone see this video of this? Uh, I, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was an older woman, but I, I guess it was a, a teenager from California. And it, this was on Monday. But did anyone see this video of a bear? trying to attack her dogs walking up on the fence I'm watching it again right now I'm just going to do it in real time it's windy okay bear comes out of the tree with its with its cubs two cubs and it's on top of the fence it's on top of a brick fence and it opens its legs and the two cubs walk under the legs oh and some dogs come out the dogs come barking oh and the bear with its motherly instincts, it's scratching at the dogs. Then the woman comes running in and takes the bear out. Oh my goodness. And just pushes the bear. The bear runs away. She gets her dogs. What? Did anyone see that? Now, here's the issue I have with America. Here's the issue I have with uh, the country. Here's the issue that I have with media. Anytime something major happens where someone is only doing something for attention, you know their first and last name right away. You know, like as soon as that happens with, you know, the fan interactions in sports, for example, when you have popcorn, uh, when you have popcorn being thrown from the stands at Russell Westbrook, when you have a water bottle being thrown at Kyrie Irving, when you have somebody who is trying to spit on Trey Young, you know their first and last name right away. But with this video, with someone who deserves to be recognized, all I got is, her name is Haley. Thanks, media! Her name is Haley. 
now there's a, I don't know how many Haley's there are in the world, but I'm going to have to narrow it down to this one specific Haley who lives in California, one who is not afraid of bears. Man, what a crazy video. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out because that actually happened. And uh, and sorry for doing the play-by-play. I had to uh, in that moment in time. Shout out to you, Ron McGill, from the Levitard Show, as I kind of just accidentally did your bit without even thinking about it. Uh, so, Bob Melvin, he became the A's winningest manager in history uh, last year, or excuse me, last night. At 799 wins. Now, Tony LaRusso, of course, held that status with 798, and we know what he did with his time there. But Bob Melvin, I mean, these are some, you know, the names beforehand, really, ever since the A's moved uh, to Oakland in, what, 1967, 1968, not many big names out there, I guess, Dick Williams will be one of them, who obviously managed them during the championship times. Then Alvin Dark took over. Uh, but all these other guys, they've been there for you know maybe a year or two. And then, of course, he had Billy Ball with Billy Martin in the early 80s. But then down the list, ever since uh, Tony, La- Tony La Russa came into play and coached them for nine seasons, you had Tony La Russa obviously winning the championship. Then you had Art Howe from 96 to 2002. Ken Maka from 03 to 06. Bob Garrett, Bobby G from from 2007 to 2011. And then you had Bob Melvin from 2011 until now. Some pretty, you know, it's funny looking back and going down, uh, you know, being nostalgic about these managers. I remember for some stupid, stupid reason, you know how when you think back to your childhood, there's those memories you have that are super vivid, but you don't remember anything outside of that? Like, you remember this one specific moment, and it's super random, but you just you can't explain why you have that etched in your head, but you do? I have this one moment where Milton Bradley was on the A's, and this was in, in that time when Ken Maka was managing. And I can't remember specifically what happened. But Bradley was trying to go after the pitcher. And, and and Bradley was trying to go after him. Didn't succeed because Ken Maka bear-hugged him. Bear-hugged him. Locked down both of his arms. Came up from behind and just bear-hugged him. And didn't let Bradley go anywhere. And then turns him away and brings him back to the dugout. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> Ken Maka... Uh, Ken Macho Man Randy Savage. No, but uh, that is one of the memories I have of them. But Bob Melvin, compared to a lot of these other guys, obviously he's the the winningest coach in A's history. But here's where I think A's fans are at. They appreciate Bob Melvin for what he's done. And and this might be because uh, just of what I'm hearing from A's fans, but the way that they have lost in the playoffs during Bob Melvin's tenure. Now, a lot of the time, you want to blame it on uh, you. You want to blame it on the players and what they do. But going into last season, into that wild card game, the first time that you're going to have a three game wild card in the tenure, and he puts out Jesus Lazardo to start game one instead of Chris Bassett. Everyone was going after Melvin at that time. 
and 799 wins. It's a tremendous accomplishment, and Melvin has coached some of the better, more fun A's teams to watch. That's what I will say about those teams that ended up uh, losing in the playoffs was during the regular season, they were a lot of fun to watch. There was uh, there was that magic, you know, that, that, that kind of that, that walk-off, whether it be Coco Crisp or Josh Reddick or Steven Vogt, whatever it may be. And you know you've had some uh, you you've had some pretty damn bad trades ever since Melvin's come back, but that's not Melvin's fault. I just feel bad for Melvin in those times as I kind of bring on a John Gruden there. That's my bad. But the issue for me is his postseason numbers with the A's: seven playoff wins and thirteen playoff losses. Excuse me, postseason wins and postseason losses. And so it's great, you know, you could stack up the accolades, you can be like Dame Lillard last night, you could put up 55 points, a career high for yourself in the postseason, you could put up 12 made threes, which was the most in postseason history, you could be the first player to score 55 points and have 10 assists in a night, but in the end, you still lost, and you don't have a ring, and I think that these things matter, um... You know, and and they're great accolades, they're great accomplishments. But one thing that I've learned working in sports radio and looking at this so closely, and um, you know, listening to players constantly talk, the one thing that you can tell is it's very rare where you find a player who can gather up all of these stats, all of these accolades, and it's very rare to find one who says, "Well, I'm okay with not having a ring, though." And I think that that's where Bob Melvin's at. You know, it's not always his it's not his fault with the way that the rosters panned out, but when I'm looking at those 799 wins, man, I'm just thinking, whew, it's it's tough when you just have consistently lost in the postseason for these past 10 years and uh and and I think that he just wants to win one at some point. But look, I've always really liked Bob Melvin. He's always remained level-headed. Uh been a lot of fun. Used to come on this station uh, as a weekly guest. He's he he was always a he was always a very entertaining guy, very nice dude. So, I'm happy for him for getting his 799 wins, but personally, I want him to get those postseason wins. I want him to stack them up there. Because I do think that he's a good manager and he blends the old school with the new school because, you know, you have these guys who run based off of analytics, which is what Gabe Kapler does. And Bob Melvin's on the opposite side where sometimes he's using his gut as well. And I think Bob Melvin's been a very, very good coach for these past 10 years. But you just want to see him stack up these postseason wins. And the A's yesterday, uh, coming back and just having a huge seventh inning, and it seemed like all was lost for the Mariners, even though they had a lead uh, for the majority of the game. So, shout out to Bob Melvin for getting his 799th win. Um, I do want to get to this, because Draymond Green, he's so fun as an analyst on TNT. I think that he has such great chemistry. And I think, who was it that was bringing it up on Twitter? And he put it perfectly. But uh, Chris Long. Chris Long, former defensive lineman um, who has a podcast now. Chris Long says, you know, watching Draymond Green on the uh, on this in, in this studio show, he's not trying too hard. You know, he, I mean, he may have some hidden agendas. We played that sound yesterday of him just telling the Grizzlies, hey, go after Gobert. That's going to be the key in this game when he is in the, uh, with, he, when he's in, within the top three of defensive player of the year finalists along with Rudy Gobert. 
And you know, he had the moment with Devin Booker where he said, get my man out of Phoenix. Well, looks what look what's happening in Phoenix now. But I do believe that he doesn't try too hard. He doesn't try to be funny or entertaining. He just is, and he knows basketball. But he said something very interesting yesterday as the Nets, the Nets just look unstoppable. You know, James Harden looks fantastic. Kyrie Irving, he's one of the best ball handlers in the league. When you get one-on-one with Kyrie, it feels like it's game over. And then you have Kevin Durant, who gives you the most impossible mid-range jumper to guard. There's nobody that can defend it because he's just so tall and he has that length. I love watching Kevin Durant play, but when him and Kyrie Irving and James Harden have figured it out, they're a lot of fun to watch, and really the Celtics uh, don't have much of a shot, especially without Jalen Brown on the floor. But here's what Draymond Green had to say. This is courtesy of TNT regarding this Nets offensive team. It's the best display of offense we'll probably ever see in this league. You know, we're, we're talking about those three guys. But Joe Harris, who leads the league in three-point percentage, um, I think for the past couple years, or right Two up. Two out of the last three. You know, you rotate, and you're swinging it to Joe. So that's who you're rotating off of, to Kevin, Kyrie, or James. You got Bruce Brown, who makes a world of a difference for this team, doing all the dirty work. You know, he plays the dunker as if he's a five-man. You got Blake, who's had this resurgence, who's dunking the ball, who's all over the court, playing the five for them. When you look at this team offensively, you're not going to stop them. You stop one guy, you get the other two going off. And I think their defense will be good enough because the reality is those other teams have to score as well. And that's not so easy to do. So when you're trying to outscore these guys and which teams are going to have to do, I can't see it happening. Look, I think a lot of people are going to take this in the way of, Whoa, he's taking a shot at that Warriors team with Kevin Durant. Whoa, that was the best display of offense that I've ever seen. But it's like, when I'm hearing Draymond talk and he says something like that, I'm just thinking, you know, he's speaking honestly. Like, he's not trying to cause a commotion. You know, he's still a part of this Warriors organization. And, um, you know, sure, you'd love to think that, you know, those teams back in 2017 and 2018, those were the biggest, most impressive display of shooting that we've seen. But offensively, I could see where he's coming from with this Knicks team because there really is no other way to go. Now, the Celtics aren't very well suited to stop the Nets, and maybe the fact that they are playing the Celtics right now has amplified their play among those three. But if they manage to keep this thing up, it's 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 really hard to argue with what Draymond is saying. Just seeing how unstoppable the Nets look at the moment. As far as the first round goes, you obviously had the Bucks and uh, them getting the win over the Heat, but also you feel like that also was on the Heat in general, not just on the Bucks actually beating them. You feel like the Nets are just beating the crap out of the Celtics. But we need to wait until the next round so we can truly say that they're having, you know, they're showing off the best offensive display that we've ever seen. I mean, there's there's just multiple times where it's just James Harden dribbling up court and just looking for whoever he wants, and they're able to get their shot off. And then you heard Draymond talk about Joe Harris and uh, the fact that he has the highest three-point percentage. And when you leave Joe Harris open, he's more often than not going to knock it down. And you know Joe Harris is going to be uh, involved big time in this league. But, look, I think the Nets right now 
Um, I think they're the top team in the playoffs. And if you had to, you know, if you had to make me a betting man and you told me, hey, put your money down on one team, who do you think at this point it would win the final if you had to choose? Right now, it would be the Brooklyn Nets. It would be the Brooklyn Nets because, you know, not only have they elevated themselves, each other, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, uh, and, and James Harden, but also they've elevated these other players. You know, Bruce Brown has turned into something, a 6'4", damn near power forward. They turned uh, Blake Griffin and, and, and reinvigorated Blake Griffin. He's playing well off the bench they got a pretty damn complete team over there in Brooklyn. I'm really um, enjoying watching them play basketball. But when I heard Draybaud say that, figured a lot of people would be outraged. But this dude's just speaking honestly. He is. And one thing that also made that Warriors team so special in the later part of the decades was not just their offense, but it was what they were doing on defense. Now, he didn't say anything about the Nets' defense. You know, if he was going to compare defensively the Nets' what they're doing to uh, uh, to the Warriors... I think he'd take the Warriors every single time. Okay, let's get back to it. And you know what? Let me let me just play this song one more time. Dame Lillard, this one's for you, man. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Can somebody help Dame? Not just anybody. He needs someone. Help. Help Dame Lillard. Because what he did last night, you know, it was one of those games where you're watching it in real time and you're just thinking, you know, after that uh, after that three he hit to send it into OT when the refs absolutely missed a four-point play, you know, one thing you're thinking as it's going on is we could be watching something here. We could be watching something great. And then when Dave continues to stay hot in OT... And then continues to do it. And then they're down by three points. And they have yet another moment where Dame can tie it and go to double overtime. Dame takes it across the timeline. Defended by Shaq Harrison. Crosses over. Spins around. Steps back. Fades for three. Got it! Ties it! 50 for Damian Lillard with 6.4 left to the overtime. Now in double OT, he would hit five points and uh, end up with 55 on the night on 12 of 17 from three, 17 of 24. That's insane. The 17 of 24. How many guys truly, besides Dame and Steph, could make 55 points on 24 shots? How many? You can, yeah, you can't name me anyone else in the league that can give you 55 on 24. I mean, you know, you could go back to, what, Kevin Durant, but he's not going to knock down that many threes. He's not going to knock down 12 of them and put up 17. Like, it seems like only Dame and Steph can have these sort of stat lines, and that's why their names are always brought up. But in that game yesterday, it's a playoff high, 55 points for him uh, in his career. He's never had that many in a playoff game. He set a playoff record with 12 made threes, and it was the first 55-point and 10-assist game in in postseason history. But here's where it gets tricky. Dame, let's just go after the fourth quarter in OT and double OT. Dame, he had 17 points on 6 of 8 shooting, including the 12 points that he had in the, in the first OT. And then he had 5 in second. But all other Blazers in OT and double OT... Two points on one 
of 19 shooting. Two points. And those two points only came from Enos Cancer. Help! Help! I need somebody. Help this man. It's like, you know, much like Bob Melvin, I'm happy you got your 799th win. You're the winningest manager in Oakland A's history, beating out Tony LaRussa. But in the end, you need to get these wins in the postseason. You need a little help. And Dame Lillard, you need to stack up these wins in the postseason. When the Warriors are out of it, I'm I'm totally fine with cheering for Dame Lillard. I really am. I I I, I like uh, I, I like what he does. I like the type of player he is. I like who he is. I like the fact that he uh, is is just super real and very genuine. You know, doesn't seem to give off any sort of personality. He is himself which is a very uh, Bay Area type of athlete thing to do. You'll find that the Bay Area athletes, the ones that are from around here, um, are very much themselves. Go look up Najee Harris's pr- uh, press conferences, if you can, from the Steelers, because this man is going to be one of the funnest uh, or most fun guests ever, interviews ever. But we'll get to that uh, in another time. But listen to Dame here after he was asked about this 55-point game that he had he wasn't too thrilled. But after what you gave, just personally, like, it don't matter. We lost the game. Yeah. I mean, at this point, all that matters is we can't lose another game in this series. So if we go out there and we play to win the game, we came up short. So we going back home, it's a, a must win or else our season's over. Then we got to come back here and, and win on that floor again. So, I mean, that's what it is. Does that sound like a guy who just put up 55 points? No, that sounds like a guy who just wants to win. That's all he wants to do. So... Look, shout out to you, Dame. You gave us a lot of fun yesterday. And I'm just annoyed at LeBron at this point. You get your ass beat by the Suns, and you decide just to walk off the floor when there's still five minutes left in the game? Like, come on, man. At least show that you're you're, you're making an effort. I'm just tired of it. The whole, you know, I'm not going to play for any of the regular season. I'm just going to show up to the playoffs, and if the playoffs don't work out, then I'm not going to show up. Because this is the first time, really, that we've seen the playoffs not work out for LeBron. And look what happens. It was just, I, I saw that yesterday, and it just, it just got me mad. It just got me incredibly mad. Alright, coming up next, the morning roast with Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky as I'm really late on pulling up the guest list and I wait for it to load. Now they'll have Al Guido at 7.30, Kate Cockrell at 8.47, and Jeremy Fowler at 9.20. Stick around for the roast now. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 